What's up, beautiful people? This is Fearfully Fit Podcast, and my goal for you is to develop a healthy mind, body, and spirit. I'm going to be sharing with you an in-depth look into how I lost over 100 pounds and had a total life transformation. I want you to be fit in all aspects of your life because you are fearfully and wonderfully made. What's up, beautiful people? Welcome to another episode of Fearfully Fit Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in with me today. Thank you so much for taking the time to have this conversation with me. As you all know, there is a lot of outrage. There is a lot of emotion going on in our country right now. And at first, I was hesitant about doing this episode because... One, I didn't want to get emotional. Two, I didn't want to be in uh, politically incorrect. But then I realized that when it comes down to your emotion, when it comes down to your feelings, there is no politically correct way to express the way that you feel. And that shouldn't keep you from speaking up and expressing yourself. And you just pray that it just it comes out in a way that people can receive it. And if you are tuning in via YouTube, you'll notice that I am wearing all black as a sign of solidarity because of everything that is going on. Today is considered to be Black Tuesday. All over social media, people are posting just black posts. And it's been, I felt empowered when I saw all all these people coming together and, and posting that. And... I've had a lot of mixed feelings about these horrific deaths of black people, particularly black men, since we've started seeing them exposed on social media. I want to first take us back to young summer and how I felt about my blackness at a young age. I grew up in Ypsilanti, Michigan, if you don't know Ypsilanti, it's like close to Ann Arbor. And I don't remember experiencing blatant racism. If I did experience it, I have blocked it out and I honestly do not remember. I do recall feeling uh, a little uncomfortable when it was just predominantly a, a predominantly white event. Um, but it, for the most part in my, in my area, it was a pretty good mix between black and white. It it definitely was, we are still the, we were still the minority, but not to the point where it was just like, oh my gosh, I, I, I need to get out of this area because I'm always the only black person. I didn't feel that. And if there was racist things going on, I was not privy to it. Um, I was not really exposed to it to the point where I felt like it affected me. But as I got older, um, I'm gonna say middle school and high school, the beginning of high school at least, I hated my skin color. And I really don't like talking about that because I love myself so much. I love everything, granted, we all have areas that we can improve and areas in our lives or about ourselves that we are not happy with. 
But everything that God created me to be, things that I cannot change about myself, I, I love. And it's hard for me to admit that there was a time that I hated it. I hated being dark-skinned. And I don't remember feeling like it was because a, something that a white person did to me. I just felt like being lighter was better. I really don't know why, I, I can't pinpoint the reason, the reasonings why I was like, okay, being dark is not is not good. Being light is good. I feel like maybe there was certain attention that lighter people would get from, like the lighter girls would get from boys. Um, I can't say, oh, the lighter people got more opportunities. I, I don't recall it being that. But I just remember hating my dark skin and feeling like I would be prettier if I had lighter skin. And it's crazy that I had, granted, I'm telling you that I don't remember anyone being racist towards me. I don't remember anyone saying you're ugly because, um, you're ugly because you're, oh, that, you know, it's so crazy as I'm speaking. Wow. So something is coming back to my memory. Uh, when I was in fourth grade and my best friend was white. I believe her name was Amber. And there was a boy that I liked and he was white. And I remember her, that is so crazy that I'm remembering this. I remember her asking him, did he like me? And he said that he didn't date black girls. He didn't like black girls. That's crazy that I'm just now remembering that. I feel like I have a lot of those moments. I feel like I have a lot of those moments that I've repressed. That is so crazy, you guys, that I've repressed and it was a accumulation of those small moments that added to my self-hate of my skin color. And that is that is really crazy. And I bet you there there are a lot of more moments like that that I just I've blocked out that I don't even I don't even recall. But I remember in middle school and like the beginning of high school, I hated being out in the sun. I hated, um, you know, getting a tan and having to be darker. I remember being in the shower and literally trying to scrub off my darkness. That's so sad to think about. And my parents never really uplifted my blackness. They never really, you know, brought attention to it and I honestly just feel like they didn't realize that that was an issue with me I never shared it and like I said our town it was pretty well mixed so it's not like they felt they would feel a need they would understand okay let me just remind her that she's beautiful let me remind her that black is amazing that who you are is amazing and I just don't think that they felt a need to do that because of our environment. And I had I had white friends, I had black friends. I just don't feel like they thought that that was something that they needed to do. And social media, of, of course, was not amplified like it is now. It was not as big. And so 
all of this talk that we're having now and everything that's being shown now it was not being shown then so now you know kids with parents with young kids they are better able to gauge on what topics need to be discussed because even though the their children may not be opening up to them they can see on social media relevant issues and then they can bring it to their kid prop their their children's attention and so i think that's something that's that's good about social media with parents nowadays that even when they're being that moody teenager and they don't want to open up to you you can gauge on topics that the importance of topics that need to be discussed based on what is going on with social media. So back then, you know, my parents couldn't really, if I wasn't saying it or outright showing it in some type of way, uh, they wouldn't be able to really know that something was an issue. So I don't hold them to any type of fault. It's just something that I went through. And now I absolutely love my blackness. I and it and it and it's honestly it's more so connected to my relationship with God. The more I am connected with God, the more I nourish my relationship with him and develop my spiritual gifts. I am in better understanding that everything that God created me to be, from my height to the shape of my nose, to the size of my lips, to my bone structure, to my skin tone, all of that, things that I can't change, all of that is working together towards my purpose in life. And it, it's for a reason. And it's it's essential to my purpose. And so I've grown to love the things about myself that I can't change. I've, I've grown to love those things a lot more and, and really respect and appreciate them. So that's where I'm at now with my blackness i i'm i'm in love with my skin i love being a chocolate girl i love it i remember i had posted uh i had posted a transformation picture from when i was obese to now and my skin looked a little bit lighter and um it was just because of lighting it wasn't i'm still i'm very chocolate <laughs> and uh, someone had posted, oh, so she lost weight and just ran magically got lighter too. And I was like, I laughed at it because I was that I'm so far removed from wanting to be a different skin tone that I was just like, yeah, right. I would never want to be <laughs> a different skin color because I'm just so I'm so in tune to who God created me to be now. And so that's where I'm at with my blackness. That's where I'm at with my feelings towards myself about my skin color. Now, when these, my, as far as my feelings towards what is happening in our nation with these horrific unjust deaths towards black people, I at first, I at first wanted to believe that it was that black person's problem. It was that it was their fault. I wanted to believe that because I did not want to think that in this day and age, in my lifetime, that we are still dealing with these type of issues. I'm like, that's that was in my grandparents' time. Like, that's not what we're going through. That It can't be still that there are white people who are so hateful. Right. And I'm saying white people because for the sake of this conversation, we're talking about white and black. 
And I, di- I just didn't want to believe that people like that still existed, that they would literally have such, they, that they would have no value for a human life because of their skin color. I, I just didn't want to believe that. And so I always would say like, well, what, what happened before that video? What happened before that death happened? That's what I wanted to believe so badly. I didn't want to think that people were still that evil nowadays. I'm like, there's no way that you can still have that type of feeling, that you can still have that type of thought processing. But as time went on and more deaths were shown, it was no mistake in that, let me let me rephrase that. I heard someone say, and it was very, it, someone say, oh no, I can't remember if it was a preaching or if it was a sermon or if it was a podcast. And they said, you know, regardless of what that individual did before, it did not warrant death. And I was just like, you know, we have to, we have to stop asking, you know, putting it on that person. I think that it's the same thing when we talk about rapists, right? And when people say, well, you shouldn't have wore a short skirt or you, you, you shouldn't have flirted, you shouldn't have gotten drunk. None of that warrants rape. And it is the same thing with what is happening with black people, particularly black men. I don't care what you did. I don't care if you signed a a fraudulent check. I don't care if you were in a strange neighborhood that was not yours wearing all black, wearing a black hoodie. I don't care if you were selling, illegally selling cigarettes. None of that warrants death. And I I honestly feel like a lot of a lot of black people felt like how I felt in the beginning, that they didn't want to believe that people were still that evil, that white people were still, that there were some white people who still could think that way, that they could have such a disregard for a human life. But now I feel like our emotions have just bubbled over, that we are fully awake that we are fully aware that murder in the most horrific nature is happening and it's happening to us. Before, I felt a little detached and I'm being really transparent with you guys. I felt a little detached to those deaths. Those were black people, but it wasn't in my family. It wasn't in my community. It wasn't someone that I knew. And so I felt a little detached to it. But I feel now like it's at my door. I feel like I could be next. I feel like my brother, I said I didn't want to get emotional. I feel like my brothers, my dad, my grandpa, my uncles, my friend, my boyfriend, I feel like we could be next. And it is a terrifying feeling. And so 
seeing these deaths, seeing George Floyd being murdered, it was, it was disgusting. It was horrific. It was heartbreaking, but it was really awakening. I had recently listened to a podcast, someone who, you know, I really respect him and in, in his opinion and his, in his thoughts. And he's a black man, just to give some context. And he was saying that when we, that we as a whole are having no respect for these black men because death should be something that is private and have um, dignity but we are taking away their dignity and their privacy when we are constantly reposting these horrific deaths. And he compared it to a rape victim. And he said that a rape victim still has their story and their voice still can be heard, but we're not witnessing and we don't have to witness the actual act of the rape over and over again. So what I will agree with is that it must be so hard on these families to have to, you know, have to worry about going on any type of social media platform when social media is such a big part of our lives, going on any of those platforms and have to worry about possibly seeing their family member being brutally murdered. I can't even imagine, you know, trying to heal and then you're just, you know, scrolling and, and you see your family member, you know, being murdered i i can't even imagine and i understand that but at the same time and i and i also understand that there are a lot of people who they're reposting with no intention of you know their intentions are wrong they're not reposting to shed awareness they're not reposting because they want to um shed light on a situation or you know give their emotion or their regards or you know they're posting it for the wrong reasons but at the same time, I don't believe that if if we didn't see these deaths, I don't believe that we would be working as hard as we are for change. I don't believe that we would be moving as strong as we are moving if we were not able to physically see what these people went through. I think that a lot of us have felt removed. One, a lot of us were not aware Two, a lot of us have felt removed from it because like I said, it wasn't our family member or it wasn't in our community. It didn't happen to people that we knew. But now it's just like, we are all at a point that we feel like it's at our door as well. And we are more driven to make a change because we were able to actually see these horrific deaths happening. I have cried a lot since seeing George Floyd on the ground with a knee in his neck. I have cried so much. I have prayed. I have called out to God. I have reposted. I have I've donated. I have signed petitions. I I was just like, God, what do we need to do to for this change to happen? There are some people who are in agreement with these riots, with all of the loot, looting that is happening, because um, they're saying that right now we're angry 
and how we are expressing our anger because of this shouldn't be an issue. You need to change before we change. And so I, I was thinking, okay, should, should it be okay that they're that angry that they're doing that? Because maybe if they show some type of force, maybe that will evoke the change. But God says that vengeance is mine. And I'm like, okay, but God, how do, how do we move when we're so angry? <laughs> I know that vengeance is yours, but how, how, do we how do we express ourselves so that you can hear? Because when we were silent and just took a knee and peaceful, that didn't work. That had so much backlash. So it's like, okay, what do we do? What do we do? And I still don't know. <laughs> I think that looting, I don't think is necessarily helping. I feel like with the president that we have right now, he's someone who is in, in tune with the chaos and he likes to fight fire with fire. And I don't think the looting is making him feel any type of way to be like, okay, I'm gonna set some things in place so things can change. I don't think that it's moving him. I I think he's he's just gonna fire right back with more force. I don't think it's having an effect on him. And so I think that it's that's not the answer. I don't think looting is the answer. And and like I said, you guys, I'm I'm as I'm speaking with you guys having this episode, I'm working through my emotions too. I want to see how I feel. I want to be enlightened. I want to understand, you know, how do I move forward? And my prayer is that we continue with good intentions. Someone had did a post that said that be clear, the looters are looting and the protesters are protesting. The protesters are not looting. So I thought that that was a good distinction because she was trying to separate people who are really for the cause and people who are just out here trying to be wild and get free stuff. So she was trying to make a distinction between the two. And... I'm afraid that the looting may become so loud. It might, it, it's, it makes so much noise that it's going to drown, drown out what is really being protested. So even if say the looters were, had intention of, I just really want to be heard and it wasn't about the free stuff. You know, what if they, you know, really had a heart to say, I just want you to hear hear me I, I i just i'm so angry and i and i'm trying to express myself i'm still i'm nervous that it's not going to be heard because of what looting does like you're you're tearing down businesses and and some of them have been black businesses so i just think it's taking away it's such a distraction from everything else that we're trying to do that protesters are trying to do that activists are trying to accomplish so i think that would be my lasting thought on that that looting is not the answer i think that 
it can be understandable, but it it's not a place for it right now. It's it's not a place for that because it's taking away from the issues that we're having. It's taking away from the protests and and what we're trying to and what we're trying to say. And I think I'm going to end this episode with a prayer. I've never done this before, but things are so heavy. So many people are hurting, they're angry, they're confused. There is so much chaos. There is so much fear. There is so much outrage. And after everything is said and done, after we do these movements, after we protest, take a knee, riot, we gotta give it to God. We have to give it to God. And by me ending this episode with a prayer, this is this is me giving it to God. This is me saying that, yes, I'm going to partake in the conversation. I'm going to do my part in trying to make change, but I'm also still acknowledging that God is the head of all of this. And I'm trusting in him to do a new thing, even in the midst of this. I'm trusting him to protect us, even in the midst of this. I'm trusting that it is all working for for our good, even in the midst of all of this. So if you would, you don't have to bow your head or close your eyes or raise your hand, but whatever is your posture of prayer, I want you to get in that posture and just speak with God, speak to God with me. Lord God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for life. We thank you for the opportunity to have this conversation and to express our thoughts and our feel and release our feelings. Lord God, I ask that you cover us. I ask that you send your angels to protect your people. I ask, Lord God, that those who are angry, who are hurt, who are confused, who are outraged, Lord God, calm their spirits right now. Lord God, bless them with the peace that surpasses all understanding. Only you can bring that about, Lord God. I ask right now that you continue to enlighten, Lord God, and provide the tools and knowledge that we need, Lord God, to make a change. Whatever that is, Lord God, reveal it to us. What do we need to do, Lord God, for change to come? Lord God, I ask that you touch the leaders of these movements. Continue to protect them and guide them. Lord God, keep them strong, Lord God, and brave and bold. Let them speak, Lord God, with authority and wisdom and love. Speak through them, Lord God. Use them. Let them be your vessel, Jesus. I ask, Lord, that you touch the families of all the victims, all the black people that were brutally murdered, Lord God, unjustly, Lord God. Touch their family members right now. Everyone who loved them, Lord God, wipe their tears. Strengthen them, Lord God. I ask that you even bless them with favor and opportunity in this time. Bless their hearts, Lord God. Peace back together the broken pieces, Lord. Comfort them, Lord God. 
surround them with their with your love let them feel your presence jesus lord god i ask that you cover these riots even cover the looters lord god calm their spirits jesus be in the midst of the chaos quiet the storm lord god so that our voices can be heard clear with no distractions and no loud noise that is overpowering what it is that we're trying to say and the change that we are trying to make. Lord God, I ask that you even touch the police enforcement, Lord God. I ask that you cover those who are really out here trying to protect us, Lord God, who have a good heart and good intentions. Keep them covered. Touch the leaders, Lord God, of enforcement. Show them how to lead. Lord God, bless their hearts. Lord God, bless them with empathy. Lord God, consideration. Lord, we need you, Jesus. A lot of us don't even have the words to say. We need more compassion. Fix our hearts, Lord God. This is a heart issue. Fix our hearts, Jesus. Remold, Lord God, and refine us. Help us to love each other as you love us, Lord God. We need you more than ever. Touch heads, Lord God, and officials, people who are who are in charge of decision-making, Lord God. Touch them, Lord God. Use them. Bless them with wisdom and understanding and compassion. Help them to make good decisions, Lord God, in favor of your people that will protect us, Lord. We need you, Jesus. Be in the midst of all of this, Lord God. Be in the midst of all of this, Lord God. We need you. Lord, we give it to you. We give it to you. All of our anger, all of our hurt, all of our confusion. We give it to you. Show us what to do, Lord God. Show us how to move. Tell us what to say. We need you. I can't say it enough, Lord God, that we need you. Our nation is in need of you, God. We need you, Jesus. Even through all of this, you are still worthy to be praised. Even in all of this, we thank you for your love. We thank you, Lord God, that you are still doing a new thing in the midst of all of this. We thank you, Lord, that it is still working together for our good. We don't understand it, but it is still working together for our good. We love you. We praise you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for tuning in.